0: Hi, welcome, 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 welcome to episode 12 of the Abiola Saba Leadership Podcast. Episode 12 already. Wow, how exciting. This is truly, truly, truly amazing. I am truly, truly thankful. Welcome to Abiola Saba Leadership Podcast.
1: A podcast that ignites leaders to lead their purpose into manifestation,
0: manifestation
1: and fuel their greatest leadership success. success.
0: Now, here is your host, Abiola Saba. Welcome again to episode 12 of Abiola Saba Leadership Podcast. Today on the podcast, we have a very, very Oh, my guests are special. Well, <laughs> another super special guest today on, on our leadership podcast. I am you know, truly, truly uh, thankful to be interviewing this special guest. So let me tell you um, a little bit about our guest. My interaction with this guest was actually in a church setting where um, he did uh, leadership Training. He did a two-day leadership training, and uh, that's where we connected. So my guest today is Pastor Obina Ibo, and Pastor Obina is the Dean of Regents Bible Institute. It's a multi-campus and international reaching Bible college that was built by Tabernacle Family Church in New York. So as the Dean of the college, he oversees the faculties the university's students and administration, with primary responsibilities focusing on development and argumentation of academic program, and on ministerial training across the student body and establishing virtual and international programs. In addition to overseeing Regent's Bible Institute, Pastor Ibo serves as the personal assistant to the senior pastor. Having been with his tabernacle tabernacle since 2009, he brings with him operations, management, leadership, and technical experience across four for-profit and non-profit avenues. Pastor Ibo has earned a Bachelor of Science degree in Chemical Engineering from Villanova University in 2009 and Masters of Business Administration from State University of New York at Oswegon in 2013. He is currently pursuing his Doctor of Philosophy PhD in Christian Education. Pastor Ibo's greatest and favorite ministry is his family, being happily married to his wife Tara, and father to his son Judah, as well as anticipating the arrival of the second child in July 2017. How exciting. So, without further ado, please join me in this episode twelve of Abiola Seba Leadership Podcast as we welcome Pastor Ibo Obina, Pastor Obina Ibo. Okay, so Pastor Obina, welcome to the podcast.
1: Thank you so much. I'm just excited to be here, and thank you so much for having me.
0: Oh, thank you so much for your time. I, I am so glad you could make time to be part of this podcast. So I did the intro, but tell us a little bit about yourself.
1: All right, awesome. Well, my name is Pastor Obinna Ibo. Um, I am the Dean of Region Bible Institute, which is a Bible college that's located in upstate New York. I'm also one of the staff members of His Tabernacle Family Church, which is just a charismatic, loving God, um, no holding back, loving God, saving souls, and developing leaders church, also located in upstate New York. Before that time, I worked in corporate America and I also worked in manufacturing. Um, Right before I started to work, I had completed my bachelor's degree at Villanova University, studying chemical engineering. And during my first few jobs, I also went ahead and got my master's in business administration. And I'm currently pursuing my doctor of philosophy in Christian education. Um, In addition to all that, the most important things in my life outside of God are is my family. I've been married to my wife now going on four years. Uh, We have a 22 month old son and we're also expecting another baby in July. So um, life is just really good. Life is exciting. I'm just so thankful and I'm so blessed.
0: Awesome. Truly you are so blessed. Uh, first let me let me just um backtrack to meeting members of your congregation, members of your Bible school. Oh my gosh, such energy, such passion for God. I, I truly, truly uh I, I'm very thankful that you know I was able to connect with some of your members. And I met your lovely wife too, Tara. How nice. Yes. <laughs> she's she's also She is cool wonderful, lovely. isn't she? She is wonderful. I saw her dance into some African statues. I was like, go,
1: child. <laughs> <laughs> she absolutely loves it. It is so great being married to her.
0: That is so good. That is truly, that's so good. And you truly love education. Wow. Uh, oh, yes, yes, yes. Uh, master's, uh, your your MBA, and then you're pursuing your PhD. Wow. Go, Pastor Hobie. <laughs> <laughs>
1: That's Thank you.
0: Awesome. <laughs> so tell us about some of the leadership lessons uh, that has helped you in your journey.
1: Absolutely. Um, one of the greatest questions that I receive once people find out who I am and what I do and what I'm about, the biggest question they ask is, how in the world did you end up here? You know, they look at my background, my um, all of the schooling that I went to and my business background then they look at where I am, not that it's bad, it yeah. just does not fit on paper. It does not fit in the nice little equation that people may like to put together. So one of the lessons that I've learned um, over the years is what is on paper does not limit your potential nor does it define your future. If I had just wanted to allow what was on paper to limit me, then I might be in a lab or I might be working in in business. Not that any of those things are bad, Mm -hmm. but if that's not where I believe God has called me to be, I could allow what's on paper to not limit me. In addition to that, just because something is on paper does not mean that there's something else outside of that that you could learn and now begin to push yourself forth. If you had told me back in 2009 or 2005 or so that I would be working within a church organization and I would've helped to build a Bible school from the ground up, I probably would've told you that you were crazy. Why? (laughs) Because I was thinking at what is on paper and what is that normal trajectory that society would put. But I'm just so glad that over the years, I learned to take a step back from what is on paper, really figure out what my purpose is and begin to chase after that, both inside the classroom and outside of the classroom. So my encouragement to people is, regardless of where you have come from or what is said on on paper, if you believe that what you are called to do is not on paper, do not fret, do not give up. There will still be an opportunity down the road, either be through further schooling, either be through a divine um, connection with someone, or either be through you, yourself, going online getting books you know doing what you need to do to get that technical experience once you begin to get all that doors will then begin to open and then what you have done in the past it will not only accentuate where you are going to go it will never be lost it will only accentuate
0: wow you are speaking my language. <laughs> you are, you are, yeah, I, there's just so much of what you're saying that, you know, I say, you know, I've been saying this for many years, and I'm so glad mm-hmm. I'm hearing this from someone else. I am so purpose driven. I, I don't believe that we should live our lives in the box. I believe God. Right giving us a lot of potentials and i believe you know we have not even tapped into a lot of those potentials and, and i'm so thankful that you're sharing this so my, my next question to you because you did mention purpose and um mm-hmm. across leaders who, keep, who ask questions like well how, how do i know my purpose how do i know my purpose can you maybe tell right. your story or just speak generally as to how people can, can discover their purpose, especially as leaders?
1: Right. Well, um, as a faith leader, one of the biggest ways definitely is going to be seeking spiritual guidance. And that is just from prayer. Um, that is from fasting. That is from seeking the Lord. Now, that's from a faith-based standpoint. If you Are not faith-based, if you're not faith-driven, that does not mean that you cannot still find out your purpose. So from a secular standpoint, there are two things that I would like to submit. The first one is, what is the void in society that needs to be filled? Mm -hmm. I do not believe that any of us that have a unique purpose, and that key term is the word unique. Mm -hmm. Um, If somebody else is already doing it, For you to go do it in that same capacity is not unique it is good it may hold you over but that may not be purpose i do not believe that we were created here on earth just to follow in somebody else's footsteps and do the same exact thing it has got to be either different or it's got to be greater so oftentimes we can take a step back and look at society and ask what is the board that society needs to be filled what skill sets do i have and can we now marry those two up? Because the minute that society finds that you have something that will fill a void that they need, doors begin to open, checks begin to be written to you, and your phone starts to blow up. And that's where you know, part of your purpose can be found. Um, secondly, and this one is a lot more practical.
0: Yeah.
1: We can all go throughout our day and we can find that one or two things that just frustrate us so much it drives us crazy. We right. come back home. We talk to our spouse about it. We right. tell our kids about it. It's that thing that frustrates us. Right. And what I have learned is that that thing that frustrates you is probably your calling to fix. Right. And and um, so personally speaking, one of my frustrations comes from organization and administration. Right. So I know that that's one thing that frustrates me. So wherever I go, it does not matter in what location or what capacity, I'm always administration and organizationally driven. I've taken my frustration and turned it into part of my purpose.
0: Awesome, awesome. I love what you said about uh, discovering your uniqueness. Example from uh, fast food restaurants, McDonald's is different from Wendy's, from Burger King. So absolutely, your uniqueness and just serve it to the world. I am so passionate about purpose. As a matter of fact, my next book, uh, my second book will be out in March and it's titled, the purpose of my life. I uh, people have um, used success to define purpose, but I, I I mentor and coach some successful people who are not quite happy. They're not fulfilled, but they have all this mm-hmm. behind their names, and people look at them like, "Oh, yeah, that person is working in their purpose." But these people are not quite fulfilled because they're really not working in your purpose in, in their purpose. Exactly.
1: Thank exactly. you. So exactly.
0: Yeah. Thank you for explaining that. Thank you for breaking it down because it's so, I mean, someone like you with an, with an engineering degree, with an MBA and ending up in church, I, you have to be purpose-driven to do that.
1: <laughs> absolutely. Absolutely. And, and what, what is really interesting is that I am then sometimes asked, well, if you knew that this is where you would end up, would you have changed it to get to this spot? Elm, any faster? And the answer has to be no, because there are imperative things that I learned along the way that would not allow me to be as effective, as efficient, and dare I say, as successful as where I am right now. There were things I learned in my thermodynamics class that I can still use in the church. There are things that I learned in my business finance class that I can still use in the classroom. Once you begin to take all the principles and begin to see how I can apply that to everything else. There is nothing that you've learned in the past that can be lost. Absolutely nothing. And that's always a very encouraging piece.
0: Yes. I love that. I love that. I, I also like what you said earlier on, uh, matching whatever it is that, you know, like what, pain you feel or what you feel you're good at. Matching that you know to a skill like go online, just do something to enhance that skill. I come across people uh, this Some of them are believers who say, Oh, God told me I'm going to be successful. God told me I'm going to be this or that. But they're sitting down. They're not really doing anything on it. They're waiting for that. Like God would come to them and actually say, This is it now. Here is it. But I love the fact that you said, Yeah, just empower yourself, educate yourself, work on your skills to really step in that purpose. Don't just sit down and say, Oh, yeah, my purpose is this and expect it to just happen. So, thank you for sharing that too. So, thank my you. next question to you is um, what, what questions should um, leaders be asking their team? What questions uh, should leaders ask? Um, my mentor and um, partner, John Maxwell, always says, um, you know, the, the, the quality of a question is the quality of answer you get. And great leaders mm-hmm. ask, ask good questions. So, what, can you just give us some um, suggestions of what? Uh, questions leaders should be asking their
1: team? Absolutely. I think that an underlying premise of your question is a leader should be asking their team questions, period. Um, oftentimes we are so task driven, we are so focused on the project or the initiative that needs to get done that we are usually just talking, but we're not conversing. Mm-hmm. Talking is just this is what needs to be done. A conversation is going to imply a response from the other party. And the best way to get a response from the other party is a question. Um, So oftentimes, I think that we as leaders, we don't ask enough questions. We don't have enough conversations with our teams. But in the times that we do, here are some of the few questions I think are imperative. The first one is to ask your team member or your team, how have you grown today? Mm. Um, it's easy to say we have checked off the box that this project is done. We've checked off the box that this task is done. But how have you as an individual or how have we as a team grown today? Mm. If we are not growing, then we're just merely ex- existing. And mm. the downfall with you existing is yes, the checkbox might be marked off, but the rest of the world has now moved forward. So where you thought that you did something good, you're actually now left be behind. Mm. And we all know that stagnant water over time begins to stink. And nobody wants to associate themselves with water that will stink. So Mm. it is imperative for us to not just be checking off things, it's imperative for our team to be growing. Mm. Um, The the second one, and this is a lot harder for the leader because it forces them to be vulnerable. Mm. Um, We need to be asking our, our team members do I know your five or 10 year plan? And do you believe that I am helping you to achieve that?
0: Wow. I love um, that.
1: Oftentimes we're thinking about just today and how can my team function today and this week and through this month. But do I know that the person that is um, putting out all of our meeting agendas, do I know that they have a desire to go into sales five years down th- the road? The person that is working on our, our technical specs? Do I know that, um, that perhaps they want to go to the next um, level in 10 years? Yeah. Um, perhaps the person that is working in sales, maybe they want to go into research within five to 10 years, but they don't have that appropriate schooling. Do I know that and can I begin to help them? So, yes, we need to ensure that our teams are working every day from an operational basis. Mm -hmm. But am I willing to get so vulnerable to ask my team, what is it that you want to do in the next five to 10 years? Mm -hmm. And perhaps that may not line up with what I think, Mm -hmm. but what is more important to me, getting you to serve your purpose or getting you to serve mine? And that is incredibly difficult for leaders to ask because that will jeopardize what our short-term plans are. Mm. Um, The third one is, what are you doing to work yourself out of your role? Um, one One of the principles that I learned at my former place of work was, if you are so good at what you do that nobody else can do it, then you will never get promoted.
0: So true.
1: Because if nobody else can do it, then there's no need for me to ever move you.
0: That's right. The
1: concept is to be dangerous in your role, but not lethal. If you are lethal in your role, that means that nobody else can do it. But if you're dangerous, it means that you are good enough for them to see, I need to move you up. So it's important for our team members to be thinking to themselves, how can I move up? And if I'm not trying to work myself out of this role, then I should never come to my boss asking for a raise or a promotion. And the last question, and this is by far the most important, most vulnerable right. is to ask your team members if you were in my shoes, what is the number one thing that you would change? Yeah. And sometimes that answer can get ugly. Sometimes it can cut through. Sometimes it could kill your pride. Yeah. Um. But what? But what that does is twofold. Number one, it allows us to see things from our team members' standpoint without us sacrificing being over the team. And number two, which is more important, I believe, is so it allows your team to know that you value what their input is. A team member, I believe, even if you don't change that thing, they will be a better team player knowing that at least my voice was heard. And I believe that it's important in this time and age, especially as we are working with more and more millennials on our team. They need their voice to be heard. It may not be that you do it, but their voice cannot be silent. As you can see with the expansion and the explosion of social media, the millennials, they need their voice to be heard, either be Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, whatever it may be. You just have to hear my voice. You can like it, dislike it, heart it, laugh at it, whatever it may be, but at least let my voice be heard. Do not silence my voice. So I believe that we, as we continue to allow their voice to be heard, There will be a greater appreciation and a greater desire to remain on that team.
0: Wow. You shared so many powerful nuggets. Uh, Let me me tap into two. The first one um, is trying to work for you to qualify for the next level. Someone Mm -hmm. else will be able to do what you're doing now. And I, I remember five years ago when I learned that concept. I actually learned it from Toastmasters, and currently I'm um, a director in Toastmasters. And Toastmasters is a volunteer organization, just like churches. Toastmasters, when I um, stepped into my first leadership role, one of the one of the first things they taught me is I should walk myself out of that role. So. I should look around, even though it's like within the first few weeks that I became the leader, I should look around and look for at least two people that I'm gonna start pouring everything I know into them.
1: Absolutely,
0: absolutely. Contradicted what I knew, I mean, in the past, it's like, well, if you know something, you better hold on to that information. Don't show people, Mm -hmm. they will get, get you out of the job. But then they taught me the opposite, that no, you have to really start pouring into the next president. I'm saying, wait a minute, I just became president. Can you give me a chance first? They're like, no, because (laughs) you are not a good leader if you cannot successfully end the baton over to somebody else. And the mindset is like, oh, wait a minute. Uh, um, some, Some leaders in the past that I even know, they would want the person coming after them to fail just so they can show that, yes, yeah, see, I did a great job. So this is a real big uh, change in mindset. And um, I- I'm sure you're familiar with Simon Sinek about how he is really in for millennials. He re- is really in for the younger generation, for their voices to be heard. Because if Absolutely. you in our team, don't pay attention to their voices, then what would happen is that, I mean, these people have access to social media. Some of them have, So many followers, you know. So if are in a team, we're better off listening to them. We're better off paying attention to them. Otherwise, we don't. Well, guess what? (laughs) They have the the platform where someone else will pay attention to them. So thank you so much for sharing that. Those are great nuggets. So my next question to you is, um, do you have daily habits? Do you have um, habits that you do? I mean, is there any habits that um, leaders should follow on a daily basis?
1: Oh, yes. I definitely have habits. (laughs) (laughs) Um, One of the habits, um, it actually starts on Sunday nights. Sunday, I go to my place of worship, hang out with friends, family, all that. But then around the the evening time, um, I begin to actually lay out how I think my week is going to go. And I use that operative word, think, because it's bound to change. But as I begin to lay that out, as I begin to lay out all of my work clothes and all of my gym clothes and all of my food prep, what I've learned over time is that it actually allows me to be more productive through the day. Because when I wake up, I'm not thinking to get ready. I'm already ready. And when I'm already set for the day, I can now once my feet hit the ground, I can now just take off running. So Mm -hmm. my Sunday night is actually, I believe, my most important night. And then every day, once I get to work, I like to list out the top three to five things that I need to do, and that. that that must be accomplished that week. Then I list out the top three to five things that I would like to be accomplished. Then I again do the Three to five that I would really like to get accomplished, but I just know with powers that are outside of me, those things are not going to get done. Mm-hmm. And then what I do is I now begin to prioritize them. Um, firstly, what is most important to my supervisor? Um, secondly, what is most important to me? And then thirdly, what's most important? Um, everything else, either be family, friends, loved ones, going on from there. Mm-hmm. Now, what is very important about listing out everything is because the things that you know are not at the top of the list you see that they may be important but you must ignore them to right. be successful this week
0: right
1: there's something within our psychology that once we go from our mind to on a piece of paper right. our mind stops worrying about that thing right. so now my mind will no longer continue to bring that thing up because i've put it in a priority matrix that says yes it is important and either a it will get done this week or b it is important but it would not get done this week Mm -hmm. now my mind is clear to be effective oftentimes what we see happening is we are working but our mind keeps running and racing about other things the reason why it is is because the mind doesn't want you to lose that thing but the minute that you write it down your brain switches to say okay X, Y, and Z, it will not be lost. You are now free to actually concentrate on your one thing. So I believe it's very important to list, prioritize, and then choose and be very intentional on what you're going to ignore that week. Yeah. Oftentimes, what you ignore that week is going to gain you a lot more success than the things that you focus on.
0: Wow, I love that. I love that. I especially love the fact that you are intentional about your week even mm-hmm. as intentional as what you're going to wear and then writing things down and, and writing three to five things that you're going to achieve that there, I really, really love that. Thank you for sharing. Is there any book that you're reading um, now that you want to share with our audience?
1: Oh, absolutely. Um, I actually just started a book uh, last week. Um, it's by um, Bishop T.D. Jakes and it is called Destiny to step into your purpose, which is gonna be alongside of what you are writing as well. And this is a sequel to his previous book that is called Instinct. Um, And Instinct basically is that thing that you can't put your finger on, but you just know that when a situation arises, you just move, you know. So um, case in point, if you are a parent and your child is in the front seat with their their seatbelt on, if you are driving and you see that the car in front of you slams on their brakes, your instinct is to reach out your hand and put it over your child.
0: Yes. Now,
1: if there's an actual accident, I do not think that my hand is going to be more powerful than that seatbelt, but yes. it is instinctual of me to protect my child. So I without even thinking, my body just moves my hand over my child. And, and Bishop Jakes was saying that there's something inside of you you don't even have to work for. It, it is just there. Right. And oftentimes you want to look around and say, well, I want this and I want that. Mm. But honestly, everything that you need, it is already inside of you. Right. And it is instinctual. Now, mm. when you, now, when that instinct finds the correct environment to work in, that's right. when you now begin to, now you begin to see fruit and uh, you begin to see success. So in this book, Destiny, it takes instinct and then it marries it up with purpose. And once you take instinct and you marry it up with purpose, now you have destiny. And what is so powerful about destiny is that that begins to just open up doors for you and you are now thoroughly enjoying life. You're not just moving through life. You're not just showing up. You're not just collecting a paycheck. You can go home every day and say, I am doing what I was designed to do. Mm-hmm. I do you believe that God created you? I do you believe that it was just a crazy um, compilation of molecules that came about? Nobody right. can deny that there is purpose for them on this earth. So once you find your purpose and your instinct kicks in, now you have destiny flowing. Mm-hmm. Um, but there was just one principle that was just so powerful in the book and that is that people will always get angry at you for making destiny a priority
0: wow and it was just
1: <laughs> it was just powerful how it was phrased because we yeah. we wonder well I'm just trying to do better with my life and I'm trying to move forward yeah. but no my friends they don't support me anymore and oh, my family wow. I thought that I thought that they were they were on my side but what begins to happen is when you do not have destiny as a priority everybody else around you they now begin to shape your destiny so the minute that you grab a hold of your destiny it now frustrates everybody else's plans for your life and you have to make a very strong and intentional decision that is this what is more important to me would i rather have people upset at me because i took control of my destiny or would I rather be upset at myself because other people defined it for me? Wow. And that was just so powerful. It was just so oh powerful. And I, I truly, I truly do believe that as we continue to really grab hold of our purpose, yeah. let our instinct lead that. If we are all purpose driven, not just the amount of things that can get done, but the quality of life the quality of people from from an emotional standpoint, Mm. from a spiritual standpoint, from a mental standpoint, it is just going to just increase. And these are things that may not be able to be measured tangibly, but we can look and then we can see my family is being changed, my ministry is being changed, my society, my community is being changed because everybody is so purpose-driven and destiny-minded. But when people are not, Everybody else is just running around trying to get to a place, but then everybody else around them is trying to tell them how to get to that thing. So number one, I'm not achieving my destiny. And number two, other people are trying to tell me how to get to that. Number three is if I don't obey them, then they get mad at me. So now everybody is upset with me and I'm upset with myself and I've gotten nowhere. But destiny eradicates all of that and says, I am going forward. And what's also great about destiny is that it is contagious. Once people begin to see that you are destiny driven and yeah. you are moving forward, they will jump on board. They will start to write checks. They will start to, you know, come alongside you. Whatever it is that you need, resources begin to open up when yeah. destiny is so apparent. But people are not going to contribute towards you or volunteer or want to work with, with you if they think that you're not going anywhere. Because if you don't get anywhere, neither will they. So there are just so many phenomenal aspects about destiny. And I would just encourage anybody, um, if you really feel as if your life does not have that direction that you need, please pick up this book either on Kindle or hard copy. It's not that long of a read. It's only about 200 pages long. But this book will truly transform your life.
0: Can you give us the title of the book again?
1: Yes, it is called Destiny, How to Step into Your Purpose. By T.D. Jakes.
0: Oh, awesome. I am getting it today. Oh, my goodness. I, I, The things you're sharing from the book, I'm definitely getting it today. My top of um, line read right now is um, The Circle Maker by Matt uh, Batterson. Have you read the book?
1: No, but I have heard of it.
0: Oh, my goodness. <laughs> Pastor Obina, you need to get that book, The Circle Maker. <laughs> oh, oh, you need you, mm-hmm. You need to get the book. I I not only have the book, he also has um, a membership site online that really breaks things down. And he's a pastor, he's he's, he's a man of God. So Uh um, uh, a few days ago, I joined members of his inner circle because when I started reading the book and the the Jericho story and Sarah breaking things down, I'm like, this is for me. So I encourage you to get (laughs) it. Was a blessing for you too. Okay, and
1: that and that is called the Circle Maker, correct?
0: The Circle Maker, yes, by Mark. Okay, Button. great. Yes, wonderful.
1: I'll look into that.
0: Yes, 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 yes. So, um, how can leaders grow themselves? How can leaders grow themselves?
1: Okay. Um. Firstly, I believe either it be faith based or either it be secular based that every leader needs to. Be submitted under somebody else in terms of um, leadership and and guidance. this is a spiritual principle. Yes. Um, even Jesus himself, he still would take out time early in the day mm-hmm. and go pray to the Father. He knew that he could not do it all on his own, and even yes. from a from a secular standpoint, a CEO still reports to a board That's you know um, a a board that may have the infinite amount of power, if there is corruption within that company, there is a higher organization that can still come and um, take care of things. So no matter at what level you are at, it is always important for us to not think that we are too high to submit under someone. Um, Secondly, is to be very intentional with your leadership development. I think that oftentimes we are intentional with a lot of things, but not in growing as leaders. And as you begin to have a family, as your business begins to grow, it becomes very, very difficult. But that does not mean that you just have to put it off to the side. You have to make out time to be reading every day. You need to make out time and make a goal for how many books you're going to read. You need to make a plan and begin to strategize from a financial standpoint, what leadership programs, what leadership conferences are you going to, to be going to? And also, there's a lot of times that we say that we don't have time, but think about all the times in the car, the right. times you know, in the shower, the times where you may be eating by yourself right. with the availability of technology. Um, we can listen to leadership podcasts all day. Right. If you even have a 10-minute commute to work one way, back and forth, that's 20 minutes of leadership infusement every single day. Um, so there really is limited excuses that are plausible for you to not be developing as a leader. So there are just so many tools out there, and a lot of it starts to become the same at the end of the day but the biggest thing is am I going to be intentional about growing or do I think it's going to be accidental and I believe that there's a um, there's a time in which you are just riding that momentum you're just riding that wave and things are great but either be a business or a church or a nonprofit organization there will be a time that you're going to plateau And once you plateau, if you have not already made a lifestyle of growth, you will be stuck at that plateau, and now you now have to start up again. But if you have a lifestyle of being a leader that is growing, you will actually see that plateau coming, and you then begin to do what is necessary to change that plateau back to upward movement. So I think it is less about what tools and what resources Sources and it's more about an a, an internal decision to continue
0: growing. Right, I, I quite agree with you. Growth is um, intentional. It just it, growth doesn't happen accidentally. Growth is uh, intentional. I also love the fact uh, that you shared that uh, you should have uh, someone over you. You should be under uh, the leadership of someone. I. Um, and I say this with deep um, humility and I tell my audience all the time, I I have mentors in my life. I I invest in myself. I I have mentors that pour into me. And a a, a lot of the times, uh, sometimes even if I think I'm doing things right, you know, I have spiritual mentors who would um, guide me. Uh, I have uh, personal development mentors. I have leaders in my life who have, they, they have interest in me, um, achieving my goals and me succeeding. And this is one of the things I encourage other people to, because if we, if we look in the Bible, uh, there are so many mentors, uh, Elijah, Elisha, uh, Naomi and Ruth, uh, mm-hmm. Paul Collins. there's just so many, there's so many. So if we're really serious, if we're really intentional about growth, if we're really serious about being the best version of ourselves, we really truly truly need to have mentors in our lives, who would um, also um, help us, you know, in our good journey. So thank you so much for sharing that. So um, what, would you, what would you say to the younger version of yourself?
1: Oh, the <laughs> younger version of myself. Wow. Um, I would say to be more intentional mm. with my relationships. Mm. Um, there is a book that's called The People Factor. By pastor van moody um, he was a he's a great uh, speaker great pastor great author and this book truly truly changed my life within this book he looks at every single dimension of relationships okay. and looks at it from a spiritual standpoint and from a business standpoint also from a social standpoint mm-hmm. and he helps the reader analyze what is the purpose of this relationship? How is it helping me? How is it hurting me? And how is it affecting my future? And I began to realize that a lot of the relationships that we have will either accelerate you or it will slow you down. And unfortunately, in my younger years, I just had a lot of bad relationships. And when I say bad, I mean bad in the sense of it wasn't contributing to my future. Right. And it is a very easy gauge because if you look back ten years ago, are those same people in your life right now? Right. The answer is sometimes maybe yes, oftentimes the answer is no. Right. no we we know the phrase that people are in your life either for a day, for a season right. or for a, a light lifetime. Right. But when you put the people in the wrong category, right. that's where now that relationship is now messed up, right. because you may see them as a lifetime person and they see you as a season you may see them as a season and they see you as a day and that's where now frustration comes into play that's where now wounds are coming into play and because we are wounded we now restrict ourselves from actually having meaningful and fruitful relationships down the road so if, if i had to give myself one thing it would be to Check the relationships. And again, not every relationship is bad. You don't have to just be a one-person show. That is not wise. Mm. But every relationship, is this for a day, is it for a season, or is it for a lifetime? And each of those three, you handle all those differently. But um, the, the most important thing is that the other person on the, si- the other side of the relationship, they need to be on the same page as you on right. what this relationship is about. And that oftentimes is really hard, especially when there's you no know, buddies from back home or right. the worst is family. Oh my goodness, right. that is the worst. <laughs> <laughs> because honestly, just because we are blood does know, not mean I that you're truly totally pushing me to my future. <laughs> I know. <laughs> um, so when you have to take a step back and, mm-hmm. and assess where am I in relationship with this person? Right. Step two is to ensure that they know where you are as well. And if they agree, then you know that's going to be a phenomenal relationship. But if they do not agree, then you know that is going to be one, if you continue it, is going to hurt you. No simple, simple way to put it. If you're in high school and you are dating a girl and she thinks that you're going to get married and you only want to date her for three or four months, and if you fail to tell her that, or if you do and she says, I don't care, When you go to break up with her, all hell breaks loose. Mm. Now, it was no shock that this was not going to be a lifetime thing, Mm. but all hell breaks loose because we did not come to an agreement on the context and the longevity of our relationship. We can now extrapolate that back to where we are now as adults, as professionals, as faith leaders, as business leaders. If you and I are not in the same relationship, Right. then we are bound to break up. We're bound to divorce. And we're, bound, or we're now also bound to lose any potential fruit that could have come from that relationship.
0: Right. Wow. They're so powerful nuggets. So powerful nuggets, especially for our younger generation. It's uh, Even for the older mm-hmm. ones too. But especially for the younger generation, uh, one of the things I share with my protégés is... Uh, there are four types of people that come into your life. There people who've come to add to your life. There are people who've come to subtract from your life. There are people who have come to divide your life. And there are people who have come to multiply your life. And able, Wow, that is good. The earlier you're able to identify a person, the better it is for you. And when you know that... Absolutely. Someone is there to add value to your life. Someone is there to multiply your life. I also really believe in, um, I, I love the DISC personality assessment uh, because sometimes mm-hmm. um, the, the, the people who have come to add value to your life, once, once you understand their personality, you, you have an understanding of how they're wired, then it's easy to deal with them. But someone has come to subtract from you. True prayers, you know, I just keep encouraging them. Pray and let God you know, show you with a red flag that this person is a divider. This person is mm-hmm. there to from you. So you don't keep going back to the person who's, who's there to divide you or to subtract from your life. But well, thank you so much right. for sharing all those powerful nuggets. So any last minute um, touch you know, with our audience? Is there any projects that you're doing that you want to share with our audience? Is there any way our audience can connect with you?
1: Oh, yes. Um, so my greatest thing is our our Bible school. Um, we are very um, different in terms of your tra- traditional school. Most schools, they are just focused on the educational piece, as they should. But there are a few schools that have adopted an interesting um, mindset and philosophy, which we have as well. And that is to be a school that will combine both education and practical training while they're still in school. Um, so we, as Regent Bible Institute, we ensure that our biblical and theological training is also backed up with hands-on ministry training. I believe that any person that's going to enter into the ministry, they should not be entering into it blind, thinking that, well, no, everything's going to be rosy and peachy. People are people. And there's always going to be leadership that is, need, that is going to be imperative. When people are involved, Um, there's a verse in the Bible, in the book of Proverbs, that says, "When the stable is and when the ox are not there, the stable is clean. But without the ox, things can't happen. You know, and that just goes to show us that if there are no people, then things are great, things are perfect. But without the people, you yourself cannot move forward as a one-person show. So we have to realize that leadership is messy." Ministry is messy. Church is messy. Business, it is messy. And if we do not begin to equip people with practical training up front, then we will then basically just throwing them into a den of lions. Mm-hmm. So we ensure that they are being trained up, either be through pastoral leadership, um, administration and project management, um, youth, young adult, children's ministry, worship ministry, whatever their passion might be, we put their hands to the plow and they begin to see how I can apply the concepts in the classroom to practical, real-life situations that are touching people at Mm -hmm. such a young age. Um, So if anybody is interested in that, uh, feel free to go online and check us out at our website. Just Google Region Bible Institute or go to regionbibleinstitute.com. And you can then begin to peruse the information there. Uh, we can then, um, if you have any questions, just fill out the questionnaire on the on our website. That will come actually directly to me, so I'll be the one that will be answering those for, for you. And we have our fall term that will be starting up end of August. And also, we're very cost fec- effective. There's absolutely no other school you can find that has as low rates as we do. We offer a two- and a three-year program, and we offer an online program as well. Awesome. So um, it, it's just great to be, to be building that and to see that there are students that are passionate about um, full-time ministry or just taking their ministerial skills, amplifying them, and then taking them back to where they are today. So that's really the biggest thing that I'm involved in.
0: Awesome, wow, thank you so much. I love the theory and practicality of things. Thank you so much. I'm going to put thank you. the link uh, to Regent's Bible Institute. Is it Institute of, uh, I'll put a link. Yes, it, it... Go ahead, Pastor Obi.
1: Oh, I would just agree with you. Is, yes, it's Regent Bible Institute.
0: Okay, good. I'll put the link in the show notes so that our listeners can easily um, access it. I thank you so very much for your time. Phil, I feel really honored that you, you responded, that you honored this invitation. Thank you so much for being a blessing. Um, on behalf of my audience, I say thank you too. And love to Tara and love to Judah as well. Wishing you, your family, the ministry, all the best for 2017. And, uh, and, and I, we just wish you the best. We're, we're so thankful that you, you were able to make this um, podcast interview. Thank you, Pastor Obi.
1: Thank you so much. And I just pray that the Lord continues to open up doors for you, continue to just grow every part of your ministry, of your training. And I just also pray that 2017 will be a breakout year for you in Jesus' name.
0: Amen. Amen. Yes. you have been listening to Abiola
1: Saba leadership podcast to get exclusive access to Abiola's free training visit AbiolaSaba.com AbiolaSaba.com and join her email community if you have enjoyed this episode please subscribe, rate, and review until next time remember great leaders don't just lead they empower
0: others to lead in areas they are passionate about passionate about